Hello and welcome to Connect FCS Ed Podcast, where we talk about family and consumer sciences education. Each episode is geared to recruit, support, and retain the professional FCS educator. I am your host, Barbara Scully, and I want to help boldly celebrate families and careers with you. Hello and welcome back to Connect FCS Ed. Today I have an amazing guest. She is a brand new first year family consumer sciences teacher. She actually has a master's degree in biological science. She took 14 years off to raise her three amazing and beautiful kids, came back to subbing long term, and now she has a FCS position in her neighboring district of Wisconsin. Please welcome Miss Melissa Litherland, and thank you so much for joining. Well, thank you for having. I think this is a great platform and just opportunity to share with other teachers and other people in the, the community because we're so now virtually for everything that a lot of conferences that you would normally meet people at, you can't. But anyway, so thank you for having me. Yeah, no, absolutely. And yeah, we are, well, I don't know about you. I know for me here in Washington State, we're going to be at the end of this month, we're going to be having our first annual virtual Family Consumer Sciences Affiliated Organization Conference. And so we're, I say first annual because who knows, (laughs) maybe it's going to be more of a continuing trend. But yeah, having our conference and so we're excited about that. But yeah, not being able to be face to face, it's hard. And especially being a first year teacher. Yeah, I'm a, and I'm a, in a district with just one. I'm the only family consumer sciences teacher. And it's a small district, Fall River High School has middle school, high school and elementary. So we have, I think high school class sizes are about 40 total. So 120 high school students. So pretty small. My class sizes are about anywhere from eight to, I try to cap them at 16, um, just because we have a four kitchens, easily four with that. I've got a great administration that supports family consumer sciences and they gave me a chance. I came in as a long-term sub and last year, so I was at eight weeks in before we, the state shut down and we had to go virtual. So I was literally learning on the fly and I figured if I could do that, then I could do teaching family consumer science as a career. Like if I could do it that the rest of the semester in this weird time that I should be able to learn how, you know, go with teaching and stuff. And I originally was going to do, looked at going back to biology. And I was just like, I really liked how family consumer science has had, oh, just a lot of the hands-on stuff, a lot of fun learning. And it's just been a good a good fit for me. It fits a lot of my hobbies. <laughs> yep. yeah. Well, what are your hobbies? Oh, we have a lot of family hobbies right now. We're a big 4-H <laughs> family. We have a small farm where we milk dairy goats. Uh, we're milking about, I think, six or eight right now. So January will be a fun month because they're all due in January and February, which if you know of Wisconsin, it's going to be cold. <laughs> but that's been a fun experience for my children and my husband, a great bonding for our family. We also have rabbits. My daughters have rabbits. We have some chickens. And then we have two new puppies. So that's a big hobby right now. Lots of cats, but a lot of a big garden too. That's been, that was a blessing with the COVID break is that we were able to actually be home. We didn't have 
kids had no activities to go to so we could plant and harvest and weed whenever we wanted to. And it was, a, that was a big blessing to be able to do that. And, but yeah, we have a 20 acre farm out in the middle of South Eastern Wisconsin, about an hour from Madison, hour from Milwaukee. And it's just been, it's a great little community to raise our children and been nice to, to have the quiet with it. No, I can, I can resonate so much with you about being home and just being able to slow down from the spring that, cause I have been, I swear it, it's been go, go, go. And with, I have four kids and they're each in their own development stage. I have activities like that they are putting themselves in. So softball, flag football, horse riding, golf, that those are their interests and their passions and trying to, okay, where am I supposed to be? (laughs) Who has what game now? (laughs) Who needs to be where? (laughs) But it was so back and yes, I think we can all agree that it was, it was as much as it was hard to stop and put the brakes on at going 70 miles an hour to do a complete stop. It was, it was a beautiful thing to be able to actually come together and have those family dinners again at the dinner table plant. And now we just harvested our own pumpkins. Yeah. We, I think my son just rolled, both my sons actually just rolled six huge pumpkins to our front yard, to our front porch. They're so proud. So, so proud. And zucchinis i how is it how does the the meme go if you um give a woman a garden she'll plant zucchinis and the rest of the neighborhood will rejoice (laughs) our zucchini didn't work this year very well we had the squash beetles and so that kind of came in and took out of our pumpkins our zucchini ours was lettuce this year the kids were in charge of planting everything, my 15 and 14 year old, and they planted five rows of lettuce at the same time. And so I literally, anybody that came over to my house or if I went anywhere, I'm like, here's some lettuce. Here's, here's take as much lettuce as you want. And, and peas, our peas did fantastic this year. Our, so it's neat to just be able to go out and have the kids pick a meal out of the garden, snack. And just to see the whole process of it. And so like one of the things I'm really in, interested in and in bringing into all the culinary classes I'm teaching is the farm to table movement. The farm, kids don't know where their, their food comes from. They think it comes from the store. And so that's what I've been really trying to just implement. I learned you can grow vegetables from kitchen scraps. That was one of my COVID tips I learned. <laughs> and so we currently have I have carrot, a turnip, and lettuce growing in our classroom right now. I just, I had this random idea like, hey, I, I really could use some grow lights. So I asked our PTO if they would donate some grow lights. And they're like, well, sure. And so they donated two grow lights. And then I was on a, I think it was a Facebook dairy thing. And they, they had these pots. They're called cow pots. And they're from sustainable, basically it's from manure. <laughs> and so they treat it and form it into this pot that actually fertilizes the plant. And so you reduce your plastic consumption when farming. And so they donated, oh, I don't even know how many. For my class for this semester and next semester, we had seeds donated. We had one of those things. They're little discs, uh, fiber discs that you put in and then they just absorb all the water. 
And so we're starting that. We were going to start two weeks ago, but uh, we had to go for a little break. And now when we come back, that's going to be one of the first things we're doing is planting our little seeds. And so chives, lettuce, that kind of stuff. I love that because well, I don't do this in my classes, but my my family and my husband in particular, he loves to take clippings of stuff and then all of a sudden I have all of like my shot glasses from <laughs> seriously from my shot glasses from traveling to different States or traveling to different countries are all lined up on my windowsill with clippings of I've lettuce. I have green onion. I have beet. I have carrot. Oh gosh. Oh, potato. Can't forget the potato and sweet potato. Oh, I have, it's almost embarrassing to see how many varieties of different plants I have on my windowsill, crammed on my windowsill, growing. But my kids, my my sons, my daughters, they really enjoy it. But they really enjoyed it when they were younger. And, but now my 12-year-old son and my 8-year-old son are really getting into the whole gardening and watching the roots grow and and then they take such great pride taking the little stubble of those roots and then actually planting them. My daughter is on a succulent kick right now. So she counted, she has 50 succulent plants, some in her basement, our basement, some on the windows. Every windowsill has mm-hmm. some type of succulent right now that she's propagating. And to me, that's really cool. Like I've never propagated a succulent before. She researched how and just started doing it. And it's been a neat, I'm like, I was encouraging her to maybe turn it into like a little side business, like a little hobby. She's an FFA. So I was like, you could use that as an SEA project or something, trying to encourage her to maybe get them out to her school <laughs> instead of all over my windowsills. My 16 year old has been harvesting succulents as well. This must be the trend this year, succulents, because she has about 50 succulents in her room. I'll have to take a picture of it and I'll, I'll have to post it to my, the social media for family, for connect FCSN because it is so funny, you know, and for my birthday, a really dear friend of mine, she gave me a succulent for my birthday and she's like, I'm not going to tell you what this, what the name of this plant is. You have to figure it out. I'm just looking at her going, do you have any idea how many different varieties of succulents there are? I have no idea what this is. <laughs> Turns out it's mother of thousands. Oh, there's like a little app. You can take a picture of different plants and stuff and it'll tell you what it is. Oh, really? Oh, I had no idea. That's, do you know the name of this app? Uh, let me think of, I'll have to, I might have to get back to you on that one, but okay. my daughter has it downloaded. It's a, it's a similar one for bugs too. Like if you take a picture of it and it would tell you what it is. That's really cool. Cause I, my eight-year-old is the bug king. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so farm, I just, I think it's a great experience for kids. And then teachers can, it's so easy. I didn't even, I wouldn't even have to buy seeds or if I wanted to, because if we were doing a vegetable lab, I'd have, I had carrot tops I'd gotten for our culinary one. They were doing knife assessments. So I saved the tops, put them in some water for a week or two, and then put them in a I didn't even, I made my own pot. I just took one from a milk jug and then threw some rocks at the bottom of it and some soil. That way I could easily just move it around 
with it. And cause I was like, I really don't want to go buy a pot right now. You could, and my daughter has taken over all of our rubber made little Tupperware tubs and stuff. The ones you get free. So you're giving such great ideas right there. I go, hey, just start using things that you have at home. The milk jug, if you or if you drink almond milk, it comes in a carton. Mm-hmm. Gosh, there's all sorts of different things. And now, I don't know how far away is Costco to you. Pretty, we're about. It's a good it's forty minutes or so. So we don't typically do. Costco, I'd say Aldi's, and then there's a pick and save. Those are the two that I get the mm-hmm. most of the supplies from. What's nice is though, I do have a GFS that delivers to our food. It's a food service. So I coordinated with our cafeteria lady so I can order our you know 50 pound sacks of flour when I need to gloves. That's been a huge thing. I had to, my budget took a hit with all the gloves I've had to buy. And so I've been trying to figure out just different ways, different types of material for gloves that work well yeah. um, in our classes. But hand washing, again, is the biggest thing. I have four sinks, and so I make the kids, when they come in, I'm like, go wash your hands. <laughs> like, they at least, if you have my class, you're washing your hands at least twice during the 90 minutes. Oh, you have a 90-minute class period. Okay. Can you walk me and the rest of us through your schedule right now? I'm really interested to hear what your normal day looks like. So we have, I have six preps. So we have, it's broken up into A day and B day or odd and even. That's how we like to do it. So on an even odd day, excuse me, I would have four classes. I'd have a culinary arts two, a culinary arts one lunch, and then Family consumer science is eight and then child development. So that's kind of my heavy day. They're about 90 minutes, 89 minutes is what we have. And on the other day, we I'd have I have a prep first hour, which is fantastic. I, I like having it that way. A baking and decorating class, there's a lunch, family consumer science is six. And then we have a specialized study hall for it's called MASH. It's for kids that are have a D or below. It's to get extra help and support and make sure they're making up their assignments. So if you look at it, it'd be for two days, that would be my days for that. And 90 minutes, we, and this is our first time going to 90 minutes. We had been 44 minute class periods. So it's been a challenge for like our math and our English are not so hot on the longer class periods, but science and family consumer science, any of the CTE classes are like, this is fantastic because it's nice because I can do rotations, like centers. We can actually get a, a lab for bread. Like I was almost panicking. Like how are we going to, how am I going to do yeast with 44 minute class period? It's going to take an entire week to make one loaf of bread. But yeah, but it's been good. I really like it. The students, the biggest challenge is to not lecture for the whole time because you lose them after about 30, 40 minutes. So I try to keep that in mind, make it 30 minute lecture and then an hour of either we're doing some type of project or some type of in-class, either they're researching something like menus or doing some type of article, recipes. That's what I've been, one of the biggest things I found is that I like to give them assignment, like we had a pear assignment because somebody had gifted me a bushel of pears. And so I was like, all right, guys, let's figure out how we're going to use these pears. And so I gave them an assignment, 10 recipes for pears. And I twisted it up just a little bit. I wanted them to do a sweet you know, a savory baked good and a couple other ones, just so that they could see that this fruit could be used in other ways than just eating it. 
And I'd had kids that had never had a fresh pear before, like from the tree. I was shocked. And they were tinier. They were the smaller variety of pears, very tasty. But that was just neat to be able to use a resource. Like if you were to think back 50 to 100 years ago, people would be like, I have a, you know, a bumper crop. I'm going to, can I, I'll share it with you. And then, you know, you would share back something else with it. And I think we're missing that a lot in our society right now. The lady that gifted me pears, she was needing canning lids. And I had like, well, I got like 10 boxes of them in the basement. (laughs) What size do you need? Because there was a canning lid shortage back in August or September here when she couldn't find canning lids. And well, there's a nationwide canning lid shortage because I can't find lids to save my life. Okay. (laughs) And I just happened to overbuy one year. And because I couldn't find them in my basement next to my canning stuff. And so it's good to have partnerships, just relationships and to know, like, just to be able to use it, not to give it away. Like, so our cafeteria, they called me one day and they're like, all right, we've got some bread. We thawed it out. We can't put it back in the freezer. It's these buns. What can, could you do anything with it? And I was like, yes. So I had, I don't know, 90 loaves of little hoagie buns. And I'm like, okay, Google real quick. What can I make with this? And I was like, croutons. Croutons are fantastic. They store. The kids can learn to cut a little bit. Perfect for a sixth grader, you know, to get a little kitchen practice. And it didn't cost me anything besides just a little olive oil and some seasonings. And so just using those resources. Uh, last year I went to our, we have a quick trip. It's big in Wisconsin. They have, you know, milk. You can basically make a meal out of their stuff that they have there. Breads, milk coffee. It's just almost like a holy experience is what some people say, <laughs> but I love my quick trip. But anyway, I went in there and I was like, what do you guys do with fruits and vegetables that are about to go past their prime? And they're like, well, the milk goes to a local food bank. He's like, but the bananas we throw away. And I said, oh, if there be any time you could, if you're ready to throw out a box of bananas, could you just call me, you know, text me. And so I had a text. He was my banana dealer <laughs> because <laughs> text me and say, I got three boxes of bananas. Do you want them? And I'd be like, yes. And so we'd make banana bread and freeze some smoothies and stuff. Um, But it's good to find partnerships and just ask because I knew that's when a tip I liked, I've learned is that if you know the, one of the answers could be no, right. It takes the pressure off. Like they could say yes. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'd be like, now I'm like, what do I do with all these bananas? This is fantastic. And then and then I can encourage my kids in class to um, find recipes or ways to use it and just to help bring about like um, awareness of food waste. That's huge right now. And so um, helping them realize that where they can get resources and just to get them thinking outside the box, because a lot of them are so used to the mac and cheese box or the, it comes already prepared. They don't realize that you can, make something delicious and nutritious from like, say a banana. Like we do nice cream. I have a nice cream lab where they have to come up with um, flavors for it. Um, Like almost like a little marketing campaign and all of this is frozen bananas. And so some of the stuff they come up with is just phenomenal. And it's, I like to give with my students, I've been found the best thing is to give them a little bit of um, direction and then let them see what they can do with it. And each class is a little different with that. No, you're absolutely right. And I think um, creativity, that's the the birth of innovation. Oh, absolutely. So a lot of times, a lot of classes don't, don't encompass that. They don't get that necessarily in their day. Um, I found like, I 
talk to them about, you know, NASA wants kids that have actually tinkered or taken stuff apart or, you know, just problem solved because one rest, one thing I like to do is to give them a recipe that is missing something or has big typos in it and let them figure, you know, they're like, Oh, that's a tablespoon of salt. That's not going to taste right. Or <laughs> let them problem solve where it is. At first I felt like, so if my kitchen wasn't completely stocked, I have the four kitchens and um, I try to make sure most stuff is in there, but I want them to be able to, to find it. So I have pictures on the outside of it that show what's in the cabinets. Um, and so I'm like, we'll go look at your picture and let them do it. Because if I do it for them, they're not going to learn how to do it. Um, they don't necessarily like it when I turn it into a question. Well, like, what would you do with this? Or... Um, the biggest part with, heart with that one is my, I go from a uh, advanced baking decorating class one day to a sixth graders. And so there's a big disparity of what their ability is. And, um, and I overestimated what some of the sixth graders abilities were. And so I, I'm, I'm, that's one thing I'm trying to work on to make sure that they are confident and that I'm not as frustrated <laughs> when they um, make some silly mistakes or are, I just love their enthusiasm though. They want to jump into the kitchen and they want to go, 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 but they don't want to read a recipe. So, well, you just meet, I, I just took a little note on my scratch piece of paper right next to me because you just gave me a brilliant idea <coughs> for my foods, foods and nutrition one class, just having them go into how you have your kitchens primarily stocked and yes, my kitchens at school are are stocked and everything, but in a virtual environment, you, literally, you just gave me this idea. I'm now going to create an assignment, a, a scavenger hunt for my students virtually, where I'm going to just type, I'll have, I'll put, probably put boxes in and have them, um, and I'll say baking soda baking powder, uh, the uh, salt, um, how about vegetable oil, olive oil, things that you would normally have in a basic kitchen uh, for ingredients and have them take pictures in their own homes of Mm -hmm. the ingredients and putting it into this online scavenger hunt. Um, But you just gave me that idea and that I swear I take away so much new information and I just the creativity just explodes just by the power of collaboration oh 100 percent, 100 percent. and I'm still I'm taking classes to get completely certified and so um I'm taking them at uh UWSP so Stevens Points um, that's a phenomenal program. So just a plug there. Um, and my, my professors have been just fantastic. Like I had, um, we were supposed to be starting our teen pregnancy <laughs> unit, um, the day we went virtual. And so I was like, ah, I just couldn't do it. It was too sensitive of a topic to do online at that moment. Um, and so I just reached out to one of them and said, Hey, can, is, how, how can, if, if I take part of it, and do it later, is that going to be okay in the sequence of events, like the sequence of the, the classes? And she was, 
we just worked through it. She chatted a little, you know, back and forth email of like, oh, try it this way. Um, I would do it X, Y, Z, and then come back and explain that this was a you know special situation. And she was like, well, how about this? resource. And I was like, well, how about this resource? And it was phenomenal. We both came, I, I got so much more information by reaching out and asking for help. Um, and I think a lot of people just sit there. And so I encourage all first year teachers or new teachers just, just to ask for help. You know, it, it's not going to, it doesn't show that you're weak. Like we want our students to come and ask us if they don't understand something. Right. So I always, um, I'm like, I know a lot of things, but I don't want to reinvent the wheel. And you're really good at this this and I really admire you. Um, and that has been so much helpful. I've had so many, I think there's two or three from the Facebook, um, family consumer sciences, Facebook page. And I just reached out and I was like, I really like your resource. Thank you. I appreciate you sharing this. And we now have a dialogue and I, we run questions back and forth. Um, and so I just encourage them, you know, first year teachers to find mentors, to find people that they admire and just, you know, they need those teachers need to know that they're, what they're doing is important too. That somebody is using it. They're just putting it on the web, and because they're nice <laughs> and they want to share. And I'm just like huge proponent of gratitude. Just to say thank you. Um, when it comes to gratitude, like our our custodial staff at school, I am like uh, they will bend over backwards for me because I have at, you know I thank them. I at the beginning of the school year I said hey. Um, when we have a messy lab or whatever, how full do you want the trash cans? Because we have those giant ones and they're little ladies. And so, and they're like, nobody has ever asked us that before. And I was like, oh, I just didn't want it to, you pull it up and then it leaks all out everywhere. Cause that's a big mess. And so we just had a nice dialogue. I thank them every time they come in my room, grab my, um, uh, um, trash cans. We didn't have paper towel dispensers or, um, soap dispensers mounted in our, our, um, kitchens. We just had the big old roll and it was, it just wasn't sanitary. So I came up with them like, Hey guys, can you help me out? I need, we need this. Um, and they're just, just to say, thank you. If people, that's a job that doesn't get thanked as much. And I make it a point to, to my students to say, make sure you thank a custodian, your custodian, thank your, you know, the, the grocery worker, thank people that are doing these little, these jobs that make your life easier. And, um, and I think they get that. So if that's, if that's one little nugget I can impart into my students, I think that will help, um, just make the world a little better to be able to say thanks, you know, and, and mean it. Well, we're creating a culture of kindness mm-hmm. and we need that as a, a society right now, more than ever, just everybody that I've been so privileged and blessed to talk with they it's that is the common theme just kindness we need more kindness right now more empathy than we ever have uh just because everybody's business is out on social media i t- i would tell my students i'm like i'm so glad that my and i wasn't a, i wasn't a wild child by any means but i'm just so glad the stupid things they did back in junior high and high school aren't out for everybody to to see. And then, but then I also need to be cognizant of what I put out for my family. Cause I want to show, you know, Oh, look at all these fun things we're doing, but then I need to be, you know, my, my kids are like, mom, you didn't ask us if you could put that picture on there. So now I made it a point. Do you mind if I put this out there? Um, and they're like, okay, that's fine. So, um, I think just being aware that, you know, there are people too, 
and they have a opinion, they may not want this random picture of them um, up on the internet forever. And some yeah. students don't realize that once what you put out there is out there. People can take screenshots, even if you delete it, you don't, it's still there. Yep. It's saved and to the cloud. <laughs> it's there. It's there. Yeah. So, um, and that's important too, because I try to, um, uh, I think teachers need to be able to kind of showcase what they're doing throughout in their classrooms so that the parents know that the community knows. Um, and so our school has a, a social media page and we actually have a list of, you know, we make sure that students that aren't, their parents don't want their picture out there. Um, we digital, you know, they're not in the picture, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So that the, we're aware of that um, because that's a parental right. I totally respect that. I, you know, I want to know if my kid's being used for some type of media, whatever, you know, I want, I want to know that as a parent, I have that right. Um, but just to be able to show the, some of the fun stuff we're doing and that they want to do it. Um, one of the, I got some really good comments. We did um, safe serve handler for the first time um, every, next year, I'll just offer it to our culinary students, culinary one students, but I offered it to our culinary two and baking and decorating because it hadn't been offered before. Um, and it was a great program to have its three hour module for safety. They get a little certificate and um, they can take it to their job and say, I've passed the safe serve handler um, course. Um, and I think that was really good. And I got a lot of good feedback of like, yes. Students need to know this. It's good for their, um, you know, career developments. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of the jobs available for students are in fast food. Um, mm -hmm. things. And so the ones that were in fast food, I felt sorry because they'd already taken something like that before. Um, but it was a little, but they still like the, you know, to be a brush up on safety stuff because each kitchen is different. Well, and it's so important because, everybody's content is out on the internet. We live by uh, what's happening now. We don't, um, teachers, students, community, they don't plan ahead. We learn for now. So everything is on YouTube. You want to know how to change oil because you need to save 30 bucks. Well, what are you going to do? You are going to get on YouTube and you're going to watch a video how to do something. So everybody's content is out there. We have Khan Academy for math. We have um, English writers uh, or English or language and uh, language arts uh, teachers who are now uh, posting blogs on how to, how to, for grammar. Uh, there's, all of our content is out on any sort of media platform that you can think of. So, but the thing is skills trump content. Yes. So right now what you're doing, you are giving, you are providing students a skill and it's a necessary skill that they know how proper hygiene works. Um, look at case in point, COVID, what we're dealing with right now. And the thing is, COVID is never going to go away. That is, it's going to be forever in our lives and we're going to have to figure out how to deal with it. Uh, there, there might be a vaccine, there might not, much like the flu vaccine and any other virus that we have in our world 
it's there. It's not changing. It's not going away. We learn to adapt and we learn to roll with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but skills and teaching our students the skills that they need in order to persevere and be adaptable, those are things that that's going to carry on with them the rest of their lives. Yeah, I like to call it flexible thinking. That was what I always try to get them to to, to do because, you know, it, things aren't going to go your way. Like, and um, I remember from my job interview, I was asked a question, you know, what, what are you going to grade on? And I was like, well, I'm not going to necessarily grade on the finished product. You know, it's the process of it. You know, if they've messed up the very first step um, and it's an epic failure, um, if they can go back and explain how they, you know, figure it out, that's more valuable to them than a perfectly made muffin kind of thing. So it's a, and it's a balance too, because some kids will come in, you know, I've got some students that are better baking and decorating than I am. Like they have their own little side business. And I'm like, I already asked them, would you guys help lead the piping labs? Because, um, you know, the technique and there's only one of me and there's 14 in the class. So would you guys like to help lead that? And they're like, okay, great, fun, you know? And so I'm giving them leadership opportunities. I'm giving um, our, the students are able to see their their, their peers are piping and doing these cool things and to just to give them the experience. Most of them have never in my class had not, have not used a piping bag before we get to do that. And they're so excited because they've only, you know, we've never made homemade frosting before. And I'm like, Oh, you're in for a treat. You are so in for a treat. I can't wait um, to teach you guys some of these stuff. And I, and I've never had a culinary. I don't have a culinary degree. I'm kind of self-taught. Um, I again, watched YouTube videos. I helped my daughter with her 4-H cake decorating project. And I just learned alongside with them. Um, and my daughter's way better at fondant than I am. And she has more patience with it. I can't fondant just makes me mad sometimes, (laughs) (laughs) but just to, to give them the opportunity. And so kids need to know that it's okay to fail. And so I try to, um, set up my labs and my classes where, um, I'm not talking failure as like, I'm not, I'm failing because I didn't do the work. I'm talking failure is I tried something new and it didn't work. How can I um, adapt it or what changes can I make? Because that's the critical thinking point. Um, that's the, um, that's what's going to help them in the real world, right? When things go wrong, you need to be able to be inv- um, innovative and um, figure that stuff out. You're not always going to be given a recipe or like a, a complete list of how you're supposed to do it. And I think having a science background, that kind of helps me teach them the whys of why, you know, like I, when I'm in, when we talk leavening, I'm like, this is why we use baking soda. This is why we're using um, baking powder, um, yeast, that kind of stuff. I like to bring the science and the why behind it because kids want to know why, you know, they're like, well, what's the difference? And it's like, well, let's go see what the difference is, you know, um, to do experiments with that. And I sometimes, you know, are my teachers in, um, my family consumer sciences, they're always like, you should make sure you demo before you do, you know, try it out the recipe before you have the kids. And most of the time I do, but there's sometimes I'm like, no, let's just see how it goes, you know, and I'm going to learn right along with them. That definitely a dangerous way to do it, but it's also, I, I like the joy of learning too, and to see how it works alongside with them. 
Well, and also there's such a, what you're right there, what you're demonstrating also is grace. Um, Mm -hmm. When you are open, honest, transparent with your students saying, hey, I don't know how to do this, but I'm going to learn here right alongside with you. Uh, Can you help me as much as I'm going to be helping you? Holy cow. They, all of a sudden you have zero engage or you have a, a passive learner Mm -hmm. to a hundred percent engagement. Yeah. And that is, that is something that I learned in my first year of teaching four years ago, uh, stepping foot into a sewing, uh, sewing and textiles class. I, it was the blind leading the blind, (laughs) (laughs) but I, I was just open and honest with them and they knew I was a first year teacher and man, they could have steamrolled me. They could have, it was a hard school, but they didn't. They're like, Oh, she's being honest. She's, she's like, she has no idea what she's doing. We don't know what we're doing. Hey, okay, let's, let's try. And wow. Just from somebody, the whole class not being enthusiastic about being in a sewing and textiles class to all of a sudden they're like, we're all helping each other. We have our own community. Yeah. So that, that there is some, there is power in that. And I like to, and I tell my students too, I really like, um, it's uh, Howard Gardner's The Eight Great Smarts or The Multiple Intelligences. And I like to just, every once in a while, just throw it in there in the class because so many times kids feel stupid because they're being measured on math or reading. And that's not their gifting. Their gifting maybe is art um, or music and all of that stuff. So I like to just encourage them and empower them to find out what their gifting is, you know, what their, um, what, what excites them, what makes them, you know, help them figure out what they want to be when they grow up. Because ultimately, I mean, I have this window of six to 12, 12th graders and I mean, they're going to go out into the world and I want them to know, you know, maybe a little bit of cooking, you know, um, to be able to, make a meal, right? Plan, um, maybe some budget, nutritional stuff. I really want them to, you know, to be thinking about what they're eating, why they're eating it, where it's coming from. But ultimately I want them to be problem solvers. I want them to be critical thinkers and to be able to, um, you know, when a problem arises, find solutions, uh, possible solutions, and then have the courage to try those solutions. Um, I think that's, a um, kids are, kids are afraid to fail right now. And, um, but the brain, the uh, adolescent brain is so primed for um, learning and they learn through failure and they want the risk, the risk part of it. And so if I can give them little tiny nuggets of risk in my class, you know, like flavors, we had funny example. We had a student that the group wanted to do with the ice cream. They want to do chocolate mint ice cream. And so it's banana and they put the chocolate in there and they did not measure the mint correctly. They put a tablespoon of mint versus um, an eighth of a teaspoon and epic (laughs) failure, epic failure. I mean, on the flip side, it masked the banana very, very well. Um, And, but they still got a good grade because they were able to tell me what went wrong with it and, um, and how they could problem solve and fix it for the future. And so I, I liked to, and I actually gave them a better grade because, 
they tried something, they took a risk mm-hmm. and, you know, and if I let them have little risks like that in my class, then they're going to be able to, um, get confidence in that. So when they get out into the real world, they're going to be able to, um, make, make good risk, make good choices when it comes to risk assessment and stuff. Yeah. And it, well, it's the, the process of decisions. Oh, yeah. Um, and what it's kind of, it's a, like my favorite class slogan is we're failing forward. Oh, that's a good one. We're like not, that. yeah, we're taking two steps back and, <laughs> but by doing that, we're also able to reassess everything like what you're saying and go, Hey, what went wrong and what went right? What went, what went right for your particular students is that they learned that the mint masked the banana. Mm -hmm. That is what went right. What went, what went wrong? (laughs) The mint was a little bit much. (laughs) Pace for three hours afterwards. I mean, <laughs> but it's a funny, and I give that example. And the, the two students that did it, one graduated, um, but the other one, and I had permission to tell the story. And and she's like, yeah, let them know, you know, use that example. I did take a risk, and nothing bad happened because it was a small risk, and I learned so much more by um, not necessarily taking the easy way of like putting Oreos in with your banana, you know, um, mm-hmm. like a uh, Dairy Queen Blizzard kind of thing. Um, but I just, and I love to see the creativity. My eighth graders really blow me away when we do our grilled cheese competition because I give little, um, so for eighth graders, they, they're doing a unit around the world, foods around the world. So it's like culture. Um, so we do um, Wisconsin. And so I, I pull out 20 different cheeses. I find ones that are on sale. I go to places that are kind of around us. We're so blessed to have so many cheese shops. Um, I'll share you the link of the um, Crave Brothers cheese. They're about four miles from us, but they have a really awesome sustainability mile, um, model where they um, the manure for the, the farm is actually, uh, what do they call it? That's a methane digester. So the power that is produced from that process goes to, um, it's 300 homes in that area. It powers the um, cheese plant, the dairy farm, all of that. And so they're, they're a really good sustainable model of what you can do with um, cheese. They're like, I think one or five or six in the nation that do that. And so um, they've got a nice little video. I'll send you the video of it. It's a really good, um, just, it, it portrays ag in a good light because a lot of times agriculture can get, there's a lot of misinformation out there. And so I like to always encourage my students to ask a farmer Mm -hmm. to say, if you have a question, um, my husband's a dairy cattle nutritionist. Um, I know a lot of dairy farmers. I know beef farmers, hog farmers. If you have a question, ask, ask the farmer, don't just go to Google and, um, get some misinformation. And most farmers will really, they'll explain their, 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 um, procedures and their practices because they want to educate. They, they want you to have a good positive um, relationship with your food and know where it comes from and know that they're not out trying to kill you with what they're producing. And so um, there's a lot of misinformation and I just encourage students, I mean, to look at the different ways, look at the different diets, look at the different um, uh, food choices and to think, you know, like don't just blindly eat a hamburger. You know, if you have a concern about it, well, go look it up, you know, go ask a farmer, how is this made? Um, the Burger King episode, um, the, is, is a really good example where a marketing campaign was not good for beef. And so they, um, 
uh, I think it was Farm Babe, went out and said, come to my farm. I'm going to show you how we make hamburger. I'm going to show you all the process, how, do, how it gets made. And they took them up on it and they changed the marketing campaign because of that. And so it's just a good, I think, having a dialogue with farmers and chefs and the community, it's huge. It's huge to be able to say, yeah, this is where my food comes from. And so back to the farm to table, you know, you can grow food. Um, but also our school, we don't, we have a grocery store that's maybe three to five miles away. So we don't have within walking distance, there's no grocery store for that town um, that my school district is in. And so they have a food insecurity just based on that. You have to go 30 miles to um, next town to get major, you know, a Walmart or, or um, big grocery stores. And so they, I, you know, I'm encouraging them like, yeah, you have these three gas stations around you where you can go get your f- quick food, but is that good food choices like mm-hmm. that? And so just um, incorporating the food insecurity, even though we live in a rural farming area, it's, it's there just as a sub big city. And so I like to compare that big cities where they have the food insecurity, but also the rule too, that you guys have common ground, you know, that food should be available for all of us at a, you know, the prices and, um, able to get to get it. Mm-hmm. I digress. <laughs> no, I think, I think what you're talking about, it, it's beautiful uh, because we all, we all eat. Yes. Right. So there's one commonality right there. And depending on what you eat, we should all be informed uh, shoppers, consumers. Like uh, the label, like I'm, I keep telling myself, I'm like, is that label, like it's a marketing thing. Like mm-hmm. there, there is no difference between this and this. And you, I, I pull out the scientific information for them and I'm like, you're paying for the, the label of it, you know, but then on the other thing, so like we talk about what does natural mean? Well, natural is not regulated by the USDA or FDA. Um, organic is. And so we try to, you know, just to educate them on the terms because they see these terms and they're like, well, we always buy this. And I'm like, well, that's great. That's, that's your choice as a consumer. I, I fully support that choice. I just want to educate you on the terms, you know, so that you know that you're not paying for false advertising is what some of the stuff comes down to. No, you're, yep, you're, you hit, that's the moneymaker right there. (laughs) (laughs) So food labels are huge. I, and I, you know, I used to look at food labels, but now I really look at food labels. I really, it's because I'm teaching it and it's definitely a, um, it's interesting. I like how they've, the, they've gone down to more, um, just try to make the easier for the consumer to read it and understand it. Um, because there is a lot of information on there that, you know, oh, whole grain, you know, well, what does that mean? Is that whole grain could be a, a corn, you know, or yeah. it could be, you know, what kind of whole grain are you going for? Um, and so I really, I really like to ask the farmer and I just, I encourage dialogue with my students. I want them to, um, I encourage them to like, like right now, based on our, um, the COVID part, our cafeteria doesn't have a salad bar anymore. And so the students are really missing out on the, it was a beautiful, I, I was one of the food cool things. I, when I first went to the school, I was like, you have this awesome salad bar guys where they had fresh fruits and vegetables and they could take, they just had to take whatever, um, so much, I think it was half a cup or whatever the serving size was. Um, and they could choose what they wanted. It could be blueberries or it could be peaches and, uh, canned peaches, but now everything is prepackaged and 
pre, and even though it's healthy, you know, option because they're following all the USDA, you know, rules and stuff, it's not the same and the students are noticing it. And so I, I encourage them like, go ask a question, ask, ask the cap, you know, the manager at the cafeteria, why are they doing it this way? Um, if you like something, let me know. I'll tell the cafeteria ladies that you really like these, um, dish that they made or it's also along the same lines just like if you couldn't find a a product at the grocery store they have if you go up to the front you know ask me receptionist say hey i am i'm needing this special ingredient and i can't find it does another store carry it along your chain or so and so and more than likely they'll be like no but I can order that for you. Yeah. And it's the power of asking. And then I think for this topic and segment that we're talking about, it's all about ask. Don't be afraid to go out and ask a question because we, yes, we always know that there's going to be that hard no. Yeah. But if you ask, you will never know. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's so much power in that, and that is, and something that I love about what I'm doing for this podcast. It's going out there asking questions to, or even just saying, "Hey, what do you have to share?" Because you are doing something completely different than what I do, but I could take little nuggets of what you're doing and incorporate it into my session. There's so much power in collaboration. There's so much power in asking. There's nothing wrong with asking and or reinventing the wheel to improve it. I think we're all naturally gifted when it comes to family consumer sciences and or any other content area. You could be naturally gifted in grammar and you would, you're an amazing English teacher. It's all about what we're gifted in. And I don't know, I don't know about you, but for me, what I love about family and consumer sciences is that family is the first thing in our content. It's yes. all about the family and I'm passionate about family and everybody's family is completely different. And that is okay. And that is acceptable because who am I? (laughs) What works in somebody else's family won't work in mine. And that's okay. (laughs) And that's what I've I've told with my children. I'm like, they may have rules or differences with what they do. And that's okay. It's okay to have differences in how they're, you know, parenting and stuff, just how their family, you know, and that's good. Like when we have kids over for dinner, friends, they'd be like, Oh, may I be excused from the table? And my kids are like, what? We just leave when we're done, you know? And this this difference is to be able to see, you know, the family and community. And that's where I really like the family consumer sciences. It's just community. That's we're building communities. And I love it. And I love the science part of it. We're experimenting, letting the kids try things out that they don't normally get to. Like I have some students, they've never been in the kitchen before. They've never used a chef's knife, never used it. And I'm like, well, I'm going to meet you where you are. And I'm going to teach you. Don't be afraid of it. That's what I always tell them. I'm like, I go through my spiel of, okay, this, this is a tool. You know, we, it's sharp. We want sharp knives because the dull knife will cut you. And 
but don't be afraid of it. You know, use it as a tool. I'm going to empower you and give you the knowledge of how to use it. But then I want you to, to try it, you know, to, to try the different cuts and yeah. you're going to fail probably. Cause you're, you know, if, if this is your first time doing it, you sound to be perfect versus somebody else that's been in the kitchen since they were three. You know, it's, I, I try to just encourage each student that you're each buddy has a different ability set and they're on a different path, right? They, they've had different, their journey, and they may be at a different point in their journey in the kitchen, just earn life with that too. Yeah. And, and I have, I have a phrase I want to, I want to quickly, yeah. this is my favorite one when we are talking about everybody like taste differences of family. Don't yuck somebody's yum is what a preschool teacher told me. <laughs> That's what they used in their preschool. Like, so she had hummus or something and all the kids were like, ew, yuck. And it was don't yuck somebody's yum and so that was just kind of everybody has their own differences and tastes and flavors and experiences and that's kind of our family joke is if, if you don't like it at the table you know, well don't yuck somebody's yum <laughs> I have a similar analogy and that is it's a no thank you bite at my table and so it's two bites you have to first try it and then you have to then make the decision after your second bite if you are going to if you like it, because there's research that it takes how many times to, for your taste buds to grow, to like something, it could be seven or 10 times to try until all of a sudden you're like, Oh, I really like this. I hate tomatoes. I love tomato sauce. I hate tomatoes. It's a texture thing for me, but I love BLTs. Oh, so that mash of flavors I can do, but a tomato slice, my daughter, she pops tomatoes like they're candy. And I'm just like, I sit there disgusted <laughs> going, <laughs> but like you were saying, don't yuck somebody's yum. <laughs> and out of the mouth of babes. I mean, she put it in a, a, a way a four-year-old could recognize that. And I'm like, man, some, sometimes the most simplistic answer is, the best. Exactly. And with the taste buds, I think broccoli is one. Like if I think kids have a, a more sensitive taste buds than as you, as, as you age, you ours are less sensitive. And so that's why broccoli doesn't taste as bitter to like adults as it does to kids. I've also found broccoli from our straight from our garden is not as strong a flavor as it is in the store. Like if I get it, buy it. And I don't know if there's anything with that, but my kid will actually eat it from the garden, but doesn't like it from when I buy it in the store. That's interesting. In my house, trees, the little green trees and broccoli, that (laughs) and Brussels sprouts, uh, zucchini, summer squash, artichoke. My kids love all of those things. Love, no matter how I make it or prepare it. I could bake it, I could steam it, I can roast it. They are, they love all of those vegetables. Uh, but if you give them a mushroom, they will vomit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, and I was reading that the way the veggies are prepared, 
is a huge way in how kids like it. So if they're always just boiled, you know, who doesn't, I don't like boiled carrots. That's just, ugh. you know, unless it's in a soup or something, but um, like roasting them. Oh my goodness. Like last couple of years, I've been roasting all the veggies and it's like a little salt and pepper. Oh, they're fantastic. It just brings out the different flavors with it. Um, and my daughter, we're kind of, I'm kind of, I have a six year old that's a little pickier. She's in her carb phase. I, all my kids went through like, they just uh-huh. want to eat carb. And so just trying to expand her palate. Um, but, but then also make sure she's getting the right nutrients. Um, but just making sure that the kids know that, how to prepare veggies. I had students when, last year when we did the, the stir fry lab and they followed it and they're like, wow, this tastes just like it came from the Chinese food restaurant. And, and we were all like, yeah, it tastes like there should be chicken in it, but it's just veggies. You know, I mean, it was that good. And they're like, wow, I didn't know you could taste this way. And I think just the way parent, like we, there's a generational shift where those kids haven't had parents that cook at home and to know, just to give the kids just permission to cook and to make foods in ways that are very good. Mm -hmm. I didn't grow, I grew up cooking at age 12 because I did not like minute rice and all of the um, hamburger helper meals. And I was like, I'm going to try and do this. And I remember making Swedish meatballs for the very first time. And it took three times longer than I thought it was going to be. But I I remember making those. And then from then on, my family's like, you're the cook. (laughs) You can, you know, come up with some good stuff. And um, so that was, that's how I learned. I just learned through trial and error and just the willingness to just try something. And And, yeah. And that's exactly what we're allowing our students to do. So, Mm -hmm. well, I need to, we're going to be wrapping things up, but I would love to ask you, what is your favorite tech tip? Oh, I'm not super tech savvy. And I, I like to, just to ask people that know how to do it um, and they'll share with you tips to do it. I've got two people at work that I'm like, Hey, I want to do this. How do I do it? And um, just have a dialogue with it. My other one, and I'll send you it is the, um, I think it's called seek is the app where you can look up different, um, you know, if it's a plant or the, um, the bug just to know what it is. Um, the, so the instant gratification of what is this plant? Is it poisonous or is it, <laughs> is it something I can eat? <laughs> I love it. And are you reading any amazing book? I'm reading. Um, <laughs> I haven't been as much, but the one book I'm reading right now with our class is called hanging on to max. It's a, um, a teen pregnancy book uh, written in about 2000. So it's a little older, but it's a really good read. It's about 200 pages. Um, very well done, but it's by the teen father's perspective. And so it's just a neat way to include the guys in my child development class. I have two male students in it. Um, and it's also been a great way to do it during um, our little um, virtual time to um, assign the chapters. And then we discuss what's going on with it. But I highly recommend that there's, I got it again off the of Facebook page, <laughs> the Family Consumer Sciences, um, and I just adapted it to what I needed. So thank you to whoever came up with that. I can't. I wish I could give credit because it totally saved me. <laughs> um, and I just asked. I didn't have that book, and I just asked our PTO if they would fund the books, and they're absolutely. So they went and purchased it and donated it to our classroom. And the power of ask. ask. <laughs> the power of ask. 
Well, I just looked up the app and it is, it's called a uh, uh, plant lens uh, or it's uh, seek by iNaturalist uh, or seek. So I'm going to be, I'm going to share. <laughs> That's awesome. And do you have a self care tip? The biggest one is to, it's so hard right now just to get connections. And so my self tip is to just give yourself permission to go out and have a time with friends. I went, um, I had a, a, a dinner date or excuse me, a lunch date planned a month ago to on my day off from teaching. And I was like, I'm going to do this. And then the day came and I'm like, I have so much to do, even though it was my day off. And I'm like, no, I need to, to keep this date and just to go have just some, some mom time, you know, just some friend time. And it was good for her. It was good for me. And I highly recommend just taking the time to just connect with friends, you know, or, you know, spouse, friends, family like that. Um, and just make it a priority because work will always be there. It will always be there. Um, but you'll treasure the time spent with your friends and your family too. Beautifully said. Well, this has been an absolute joy talking with you and just having a fun conversation. And I've learned a lot from you and I've gotten some great ideas that are now circulating my head that I always keep a piece of paper next to me and I write down little notes like, oh, that's a nugget. Oh, that's a good one. (laughs) So thank you. The power oh. of collaboration, it goes, it goes such a long ways. Make your own professional learning community, whether it's with other family consumer sciences teachers or friends who are in the industry of what you are interested in and doing. You just, you don't know what you don't know. Exactly. And a mentor. I, I can't say it enough. My district does mentorship and I, it's been phenomenal. And I'm blessed because she was a friend before I did it. So now we can be like, oh, we're going to have our mentor meetings over a dinner, you know, <laughs> but it's, it's just been great to just ask the random question. Like, am I out of line with this thought process? You know, what should I do about the students? Do I go to higher, you know, is this something I need to take to my principal or admin? Or is this something I should definitely handle in house? Just those little nuggets that, and she's been teaching for like 15 years. So it's, She's got a lot of the good stuff, just that little nuggets that help you just make your day better and make the school go better. And so, and she's my cheerleader. So just having somebody that you run ideas by, but then also to be able to be open and honest with, to say, Hey, can you help me with this? I have no idea what I'm doing. (laughs) We all need to be encompassed and cocooned by those people. That is what keeps us going because Mm -hmm. otherwise that's where teacher burnout happens. And um, yeah, so take care of yourself. Always, there's nothing wrong with putting yourself first when it comes to your career, because your career is always going to be there. It might look different, but it will always be there. And, but you might not. So you need to take good care of yourself. Yes. So, well, thank you for having me. And I think this is great that you're reaching out. And I saw that you had Kim Grable. I was like, Oh, I love her stuff, you know, and just all the different, I'm like, Oh, that's a big name, like in the family consumer sciences. So it's just, I think it's great to have these platforms and I thank you for doing this. Oh, absolutely. It is a pleasure and it is a joy. And 
if I can help somebody else, then that fuels me. So, mm-hmm. yep, one hundred percent. Yep. Well, thank you, and we will talk to you soon. Okay. Thank you for joining me today at Connect FCS Ed. In each episode, we boldly celebrate families and careers by providing inspiration, support, and resources for teachers, students, and families. I'm inviting you to join me in the conversation. Let's share your resources and stories. Together, we are better. Thanks again for listening and helping spread the word that family and consumer sciences is today's home economics.